Blog Talk Radio. And I'm your host, Melissa Cantrell. And if you want to find out more about me, just look at me at smilesandstuff.com, S-N-Y-L-E-S-A-N-D-S-T-U-F-F.C-O. And also um, our website for Truth Be Told Radio is truthbetoldradio.com, truthbetoldradio.com. And then say happy Mother's Day to all of you listening um, as the day I recorded this Mother's Day. And happy Mother's Day to my mom. And thank you for listening. And let's start out with a song from Shiler called Random Thoughts 3. Here on Trippy Tori. Yeah. Soli Deo Gloria. <laughs> it's like deja vu, right? I'm back, but nobody was asking where I've been Cause Christ in the music is no longer the hot trend Logic says, well 
maybe I should just stop then But I never got into this for a spot in the top ten I do this for one reason Jesus the true king, son To help God's elect obey Hebrews 3.1 And though the rap world is ever crowded If heaven allows it, I'll keep writing for the 7,000 I know you out there, I still get the emails Against the church of Christ, the gates of hell will never prevail It's founded on the rock, and the gospel never stops So we dropping the topic, whether it's popular or not Sin is not just toxic, and the clock is going to stop God is not to be boxed with the wrath of God is burning hot We were locked in sin's closet Our conflict was cosmic God plotted to stop and hit the demonic with a shot I was copping narcotics, agnostic with a plot No optics for the knowledge of the God who often not Jesus rocked me with the gospel and it tied me up in knots So I hopped in a rocket and met the prophet at the top, yo That's just another way of saying I met God in the scriptures But we just gonna let that breathe for a second, you know what I mean? The Bible says he was forgiven much, loves much We gonna talk about BC a little bit My depravity was total, not small like pox I was chained to sin, I couldn't take off the locks I thought I was a player, a match with the flavor Say I know what the time is, but I ain't read Isaiah I would chuckle daily as I paid for disgrace My eyes were always puffy like I got sprayed with mace I would toot my horn at parties, and I would do bars Got so intoxicated, I was ready to do Mars Notorious for acting pretty silly in my city Philly Friends hear about it and be like, whoa, did he really? Because I played dirty, Bill Lambeer style Through great mercy, spirit-filled and dear child Went from so gritty to headed to a gold city In Christ I shine, the world's light no biggie, whatever time to sing I'm putting faith on the song 112 displayed in John The way to respond When his patience runs out Then it's time for the ride, man Microwave wrath of God, fam That's why because of Christ I got mad joy All I'm saying is I used to be a bad boy <laughs> But nowadays I'm regenerated Born again from above, fam How else can I say that? Went from various vices to a kid that's married to Christ Using literary devices to spit it very precise My conversion to the master was so dramatic I just wanted to be an ambassador or fanatic The gospel was my tonic With Christ I couldn't lose But to walk with God like Enoch I knew I couldn't cruise This walk is a beast But nothing's greater than the cross Saw the mark of the east And the raiders of the laws While Tower Records was choosing to carry G-Unit I was on that revolutionary theme music The brothers from the Lou held it down as well But we noticed a big shift in 2012 Around the time Jackie asked me about Calvinism Christian hip-hop found a different algorithm And crossed over without taking the cross Sober, made us all sober Years later, is it all over? Trip asked me if I was still motivated I was quiet, but I wanted to say no, I hate it Cause brothers in your camp causing lots of confusion I love them as brothers in Christ, but not their conclusions They want to reach the world by all means, keep pursuing it But tell me, why they gotta diss the church while they doing it? That's what I wanted to say, but I ain't say it though But no more laying low, I want them to play it slow And I ain't dissing them, my prayers are the proof Like Boaz without Ruth is unity without truth CHH is like gorillas in the mist With no brotherly love, it's like Philly don't exist What's happening here? It's a different atmosphere Cats appear most concerned about a rap career Brothers overseas being slain in the sand While we're vain in our plan Taking fame and some fans And I ain't got time to philosophize Satan got a plot device I'm seeing lots of guys apostatize On top of all that, Donald Trump's the president It's all good though, cause Jesus Trump's the president So more than ever, I'm trying to rep the Lord who bled And we ain't never gonna stop working I'm just trying to give a healthy demonstration of theocentric music for the selfie generation. See, the problem is sin, no riddle in it. Cause all sin got I in the middle of it. We're mad to praise and truly evil. We need to be born again without a Matt Damon movie sequel. In the gospel, God addresses our depravity. The lamb slain at Calvary, the depths of his agony. He rose from the grave with the funding grace. And when we come in faith, he'll bring us up from the sunken place. Our sins decrepit, depths left the mess, no rest was left. 
Jesus put death to death. The beauty of the victory truly is a mystery. The cross of Jesus Christ is at the nucleus of history. Before the cross, they were saved on credit. After the cross, we've been saved on debit. Since our champion in the great war suffered, we're going to proclaim his death like the Lord suffer. So welcome to the Still Jesus Project. Yo, we just getting started and we got a lot left.
So what should the just judge of all the world do with guilty Ivan when you stand before him to give an account for your life? Would he find you innocent or guilty? It wouldn't matter. He could do anything he wants. But what would he find you, innocent or guilty? He wouldn't find me anything. I wouldn't be there in the first place. Work with me. This is what my Bible teaches. So if nothing else, you'll leave the campus today going, oh, wait, I get what those Christians are all about. A day of judgment, because we like judgment. We like justice, right? We like it when Jerry Sandusky gets arrested for being a pedophile. And given 30 years, it should have been 300 years. We like that, though, right? Okay, God does, too. We get a sense of justice from God, who is just. So if God is just, and he's looking into the corners of your heart, the recesses of your mind. Not only that, but the things you failed to do by loving people, by being kind to everybody, by helping everybody you could. I would be guilty if I stood before a judge like that. Ivan, would you be innocent or guilty? By your standards, I would be guilty. Okay, by God's standard, you'd be guilty. Not okay. mine. All right. So if God is just and righteous and holy, and he has a settled anger against sin and wrongdoing. What should God do with Ivan? Take him to heaven or send him to hell? Throw me in the hell. Correct. Right. That's our problem. Right. That's what the Bible teaches. And I think there's nothing more provable than the fact that we've got a big sin problem. Look around the world. Go to Chuck E. Cheese's. There's a big sin problem. Even the little ones have it. Right? Yeah. Okay. So God is going to do a day of reckoning, a day of house cleaning. And he'll give people what they deserve. So, dude, according to the Bible, you agree with the Bible. Everybody fails his standard. The just judge must, must give you what you deserve. You'd be going to hell because God is just and righteous and even loving. That was a beautiful story, but really, it is not for me. No, it's a bad story. It's a terrible story. Do you know what hell is like? Yeah. I terrible, right? Pretty awesome. No, pretty terrible. It's not a kegger with your buddies. And it's not like, you know, the, the devils are dancing around. They're getting punished, too. It's a terrible place because sin requires punishment. That's a bad story, dude. Right? Yes, it's a bad story. Right. Do you know the gospel of Jesus Christ? No. No idea? No. Nope. Did you ever go to church as a kid? No. Do you know what Christmas is? Yeah. What is it? It's a fake holiday to buy gifts for everybody. Well, that's true. There's a lot of that going on. I agree with you on that. We have agreement on that. What is the religious understanding of Christmas? It is the birth of Jesus. And who is Jesus according to the Bible? The Son of God. Son of God. Why did that Jesus come to this earth? No idea. I'll tell you. He came to keep all the laws that you and I have broken. So every time you lusted, he didn't. Every time you lied, he told the truth. Every time you were naughty with your parents, he obeyed. Every time you failed to love God the way you should, he did. He kept all the laws. And then, tell me about Easter. What do you know about Easter? No idea. All right, Easter is the that little week where Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, was beaten by men, was punched in the face, had a crown of thorns smashed onto his head, was spat upon, stripped naked, so abused you couldn't even tell he was a human being, he was so disfigured, and then he had his hands and his feet nailed to a cross. Actually, he probably didn't have his feet. You ever seen those pictures where they have a guy on the cross that's one foot on top of the other? They've been finding nails at crucifixion sites that aren't long enough for that, so they think that they actually put the nail through the Achilles part. They had him straddle the cross, and then they put it through the Achilles, and he hung there on a cross, gasping for air, because that's how you die when everything falls down. You can't breathe. It's like you're in a pool trying to keep your head above water. You can't breathe. You run out of air, and he died. Do you know why he did that? He did it for me. You got it right. That's right. And that, that, that's the big Why, though? Why, no, why, though? Why didn't he do it for you? 
He did it for my sin. Exactly, but why? No idea. Well, we just talked about you going to hell if you don't have your sins forgiven. All right. He forgave all my sins for me. He will, but why did God do such an incredible thing? No idea. Is it because you're so spanky? No. Right, because our problem is we're not spanky, we're dirty, and we're sinful. It's because the Bible says, in this is love, not that we first loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for us. God didn't die for the world because we're so wonderful. As if he had a big cosmic refrigerator, he'd have our picture on the refrigerator with magnets because we're just so amazing. We're sinful and dirty, and God loves us anyway and demonstrated it by sending his son to die for you a sinner. So that is a great story. But I don't agree. Yeah, I think he has a good story. It's exactly. All right. Now, here's the question, Ivan. Is it true? Is it a true story? Probably. Okay. Because that's big, man. If it's not true, no worries. Live, live a life of whatever lifestyle you want to, good, bad, or otherwise. But if it's true, you will have to face God on Judgment Day. And you'll have to give an account for everything you've done. I mean, isn't there something inside of your conscience that says, guy's right, I've done a lot of bad things. Isn't there any agreement that we have with your conscience right now? No. Nothing. Not even a little bit. What do you think God would have to do to convince you that this story is true? So, he did, 2,000 years ago, and eyewitnesses watched him die and rise from the dead, and they were willing to die because of it. The resurrection of Jesus is the best proof anybody could ever have for you. If he came right now and rode across the sky, Ivan, believe in me, I'm Jesus. You'd go, ah, Skywriter, the skinny guy set it up in advance, and he walkie-talkied it to him somehow, and he made it appear. And you're discredited because you claim you want signs, but you don't want the one who gives the signs. Jesus did miracles. Besides that, he created the world. Come on, what more do you need for proof? He gave you a universe to look around and go, yeah, got to be something here. This, the universe is God's great big cosmic, hello, I'm here, I exist, pay attention. But you're not listening. Right? You're not willing to listen. No, sir. That was a tip from Wretched, and that was their TV show that they show clips on YouTube. Now it's called Christian Tries to Convince College Students God is Real. This is Miss Cantrell here on Truth Be Told Radio. Usually we do the, um, do the lesson first, but it hasn't. I tried to upload it and wouldn't. It's not loading yet. So, uh, I'm going to play more music. And, um, if I didn't mention it, and you can find more Wretched at Wretched.tv or Wretched.org. Actually, I think both, but I think they want you to go to Wretched.org, Wretched.org. Let's see. I'm going to play Shining called Stand Up here on Truthy Tori. Hey, yo, they said it was over, man. They said it was over. But it ain't over. We just getting started. Yo, 7,000, we all at. Let's go. Stand up, stand up. If you truly love the son of man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive. And his fame is going to spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, stand up. Does anybody love the son of man? Trust. Jesus is the king, so his people we will sing. And forever stay worthy is the land. What's up? Surprise, no surprise, I'm back in your section. With Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. More power than gravity, his knowledge and strategy. 
strategies confound the academy Bow to his majesty, he paid sin salary Took our blame on Calvary Those who love his name spread his fame is the policy All eyes on the mattress price of his sacrifice Let's prize our master Christ and rise in the afterlife What, did we forget about the holiness of God or something? Did we forget that God owes us a rod or something? See the snake bruise when Christ came to save dudes Who hate truth, the gospel is not fake news Our debt is sin, the gospel sweeter than it's ever been Ain't nothing changed, let us in, we got the medicine It's still human emergency, the serpent attack You think Jesus can't save? That's alternative facts Stand up, hands up If you truly love the Son of Man Trust, Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive And his fame is gonna spread across the land What's up? Stand up, hands up Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust, Jesus is the King So his people we will sing and forever stay worthy is the Lamb What's up? Listen to my composition Lots of rhythm but not traditional Kind of different But God's consistent No contradiction My proposition Through crucifixion He mocked and crippled His opposition It's not some fiction I'm spitting The Son of God is risen And my incentive for godly living Is I'm forgiven Jesus came to unlock the prison And through the spirit He brings the new birth Like an obstetrician At times I listen A lot of Christian hip-hop is missing The proposition It's my suspicion We drop the mission Not to this But the word of God Is it not sufficient The doctrine is That the gospel fixes our Shot condition, God the Spirit supplies conviction through proper diction. Against the backdrop of our tradition, the gospel glistens. A squad of Christians go out and witness a God's commission. Cause Jesus Christ got the top position, no competition. Stand up, hands up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive. And his fame is gonna spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, hands up. Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust. Jesus is the King, so his people we will sing and forever stay worthy is the Lamb. What's up? They want Jesus in the background like elevator music, but we gon' celebrate him, relegate him, we refuse it. They hate Christian hip-hop, I peep myself. They say we too redundant, well let me repeat myself. What I gotta say almost feels too real estate. Sit back and feel the weight of what a real estate. Cause yo, Jesus Christ got me in the real estate. I'm purchased property, I feel like I'm real estate. If the Father wasn't gracious, no sin in him. Again, he came straight blameless, no sin in him. Again, nothing's been the same since, no sin in him. Again, fakers lack his fragrance, no sin in him. This is not the picture in a frame to still Jesus. Nah, we serve the rock, the harder than still Jesus. So how are we gonna be silent, let the world still Jesus? When the world and its trends pass away, it's still Jesus. Stand up, hands up. If you truly love the Son of Man, trust. Jesus is alive and his people he'll revive. And his fame is gonna spread across the land. What's up? Stand up, hands up. Does anybody love the Son of Man? Trust. Jesus is the King, so his people we will sing. And forever stay worthy is the Lamb. What's up? Trend. 
there's a movement afoot, and whilst we don't go hunting for every rattling in the bushes, this movement appears to be growing, and that is not a good thing. Mere Christianity is what many people are calling it. That Christianity doesn't have to be this complex, interwoven thing. All that matters about Christianity is that we understand Jesus rose from the dead. You don't need to worry about inerrancy of the Bible. You don't need to worry about all of those kind of hard-to-explain miracles like Jonah and the whale and creation and the flood. All that matters is the resurrection. Hold on, it's gotten even worse than that. Many people now saying rather plainly, without any semblance of blushing. In fact, the whole Old Testament, quite honestly, we don't need that. We can just unhitch that. The whole Old Testament demands the arrival of Jesus. There's no sense, no sense at all, when you read uh, the New Testament, that the writers were interested, if you like, in unhinging the New Testament from the Old Testament. The Bible is a tapestry, and the image is Jesus Christ. You pull out the threads of the Old Testament, and he becomes unrecognizable. Let's just say we present an unbeliever with a mere Christianity. Don't worry about the virgin birth. Forget the Jonah and the whale business. We're just going to unhitch the Old Testament become a mere Christian. So this fellow finds himself a Bible, and he opens it up to Matthew 1 because, well, that's the beginning of the unhitched Bible, and he starts reading genealogies. What is he going to make of that? I suspect, what is this? What, are, what am I reading here? What is, the, what is the point of this? So-and-so begets so Get to the good stuff here. It makes no sense to have a genealogy of a Messiah if you pull out the actual story of that genealogy. Perhaps think of it like this. You, like Agatha Christie novels, well, imagine, why don't you just pull out my 70% of the book and just read the ending where the mystery is solved. Does it make any sense to you? Okay, Inspector Poirot, why is he, who is on the train? Wait, wait a second, somebody adopted some, well, who got, who even got killed? What, who's that person that you're talking about? If you think that would cause confusion, imagine unhitching the Old Testament from the New, a concept that was unimaginable to the New Testament writers. The fact that when you read in the New Testament, it is not uncommon in the gospel records to come upon the phrase, all those two place to fulfill what? And, uh, or, where is he that is born king of the Jews in Bethlehem of Judea? For thus it was written by the prophet. In other words, constantly reaching back into the old to explain what is happening in the new. When Jesus himself as recorded by Mark, steps forward in the commencement of his earthly ministry, his, his opening line, if you like, is the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. That time is at hand. 
why do we even need somebody to die on a cross anyway? Unhitch the Old Testament from the crucifixion. And what do you end up with? Well, a guy who apparently was a martyr, I guess. Some would suggest these days, well, he was just an example, a really good example of loving people and being self-sacrificial. He had himself killed to be an example. Couldn't he have just, like, washed somebody's windows, tied somebody's shoes to demonstrate that? What is the point of the cross without the Old Testament, without understanding the fall, sin, God's laws, understanding his character and his nature, that he is holy and high and righteous, in the Old Testament, without that knowledge, the cross makes no sense. It is absolutely pointless. We don't need a more Christianity. We need a robust Christianity. What Jesus does when he reveals himself to those who he refers to as the foolish ones, he reveals himself not by saying, hey, it's me, but by doing a Bible study and by doing an Old Testament Bible study and by providing for them an understanding so that they would realize that the Christ had to suffer these things and enter his glory and that he was able to explain it to them by beginning with Moses and the prophets. What, what a Bible study that must have been. How wonderful it would have been to be there. That Bible study wouldn't have happened without a Bible, which was the text that Jesus was using. Unhitch the Old Testament. Uh-uh. Use the Old Testament. Oh, I am so surprised that you are still here. Apparently you've got a lot of free time. If you would like to get more Wretched and Who Wouldn't, simply like this video, subscribe to this channel, and we will give you Wretched till it's coming out of your nose. Their channel is Wretched, and that's W-R-E-T-C-H-E-D. It's like the song, um, Raising uh, Race, the, how, the, uh, <laughs> sorry, the, it says the wretch, uh, God saved a wretch like me in there, and that's why, that's why it's called Wretched. And, see, they'll play a song. This is Go Fish, this is my father's role here on True Victoria. Washington Breaking News out of Haiti, the largest, most powerful earthquake in the region's history. The federal judge's ruling is allowed to stand. This year's National Day of Prayer could likely be the country's last. They will be done. The number of other people worldwide has reached one billion for the first time since 1970. For us this day, our daily bread, and forgive all trespasses. A few moments ago, something crashed into the south tower of the World Trade Center. But the world from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears.
to find out at gofishguys.com. That's G-O-F-I-S-H-G-U-I-S dot C-O. Gofishguys.com. And next, we got Shyman. And this is one day. Here on Tori. Yeah. Man, it's crazy how time flies. My mind tries to sit still, thinking how does one define wise? Feels like yesterday I was a newcomer, fresh in the game, ready to make the truth thunder. But as the beat plays, they lose wonder. After a few summers, the band's ready for a new drummer. Doesn't matter if you're not ready yet. Yesterday I was a cadet, now they call me a vet. But it's part of common sense that the artist time will end. To the young, this topic can be hard to comprehend. They don't come close to understanding how you can go from most demanded to abandoned in the ocean stranded. Surrounded by the waves of your weariness, some things you only learn from age and experience. And it's plain to me that all the famous men you see, the time is coming when they will be a faded memory. Cause one day you hot, the next day you not. One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah. What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sand of time sinking Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah Better plan for the future, kid Time catches up to everyone, no matter who yeah. it is Whatever happened to so-and-so, that's what they wanna know Eventually we learn that they all come and go Today's rising star, tomorrow dies with scars Today they all struck, tomorrow you are stuck I remember watching Jordan's Hall of Fame speech Thinking this is what it's like to watch the lame reach and gasp as he tries to grasp what lies in the past. Never to return, what lies in the past? Did he tell himself? Was he lost or sober? Did he know it was all but over? The moment that AI crossed him over? If I could be like, didn't include dying light. Let's shine the light on the one they call Iron Mike. Nowadays he's known for being all weird. But back in 88, nobody was more feared. At the peak of his powers, his opponents would retreat in moments he would eat and devour. Snuff with punches, but we must discuss this. Crushed it just enough to trust his toughness. Pride brings us to justice. You puffed up with smugness? You gonna meet Buster Douglas. Amazing that, which blazed like Petro. The new praise that made the waves in the metro. Was praised for days, but just a phase like retro. And fades like echoes. Echoes, echoes, echoes. Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah What in the world was your mind thinking? You couldn't see the sand of time sinking Cause one day you hot, the next day you not One day you on top, next day you get dropped, yeah Better plan for the future, kid Time catches up to everyone, no matter who it is What I'm speaking on is seriously welcomed by the few Even no experience to tell you that it's true On your radio station, this won't be found on the playlist Wisdom, the sound of the sages, resounding for ages The older I get, I notice it The whole of the script, hmm, it's found in the pages A holy writ, not the cash speech of the reverence But what a man sees under heaven 
Ecclesiastes 111. No matter who you are, death aims to stop you. Whether banker, doctor, or Frank Sinatra. Before your time is done, meet the timeless one. The dying, death-defying, rising, shining sun. King Jesus astounds and amazes. He pounded the pavement to save those who were bound to their cages. So let us praise the one who made the Everglades. Our debt was paid, so in glory we'll never fade. Never fade. Never fade. You're making it old school. And you need the 
and downs, all of my inconsistencies, all of my idiosyncrasies, still you pursue relentlessly, at times I wonder how this can be, surely it's because of the cost, when Jesus paid the full penalty, and bore the burden of sin's great cost, saved by grace and faith in God, I look to Christ and I trust he died, so even though I'm being sanctified, I can't be any more justified, his work is finished that cannot change, and with this knowledge I am free, forever this grace it will remain, because of what happened on Calvary. As long ago as that was, as long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord, oh Lord, 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 as long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same, you have not changed, what can that mean, but my God is immutable, immutable, you are beautiful, you never change, you That is Shailene with the song Immutable featuring Monel. And you can find out more about Shailene at his record label on lampmode.com. L-A-M-P-M-O-D-E dot C-O. That's their website address. Of course, not the actual <laughs> uh, record label. Their address is, like I said, lampmode.co. And you see with Cantrell here, two feet tall radius. Let's see. I got another song. Let's uh, see. I'll put this one. This is Shackles, Face, and my go here on two feet tall Just can't. 
tell the story It will be my theme and glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and His love Oh, uh-huh. 
that was Go Fish with Sweet Song of Salvation, and now I got my selection ready for um, no, with John McCarthy, and this is how I live proves the resurrection here on Truthy Tory. The following sermon is by John MacArthur, pastor, author, and Bible teacher with Grace to You. If you've never connected to Grace to You, we want to send you a free book by John called None Other, Discovering the God of the Bible. This detailed look at God's character can strengthen your trust in the Lord and deepen your love for Him. Request your free book by writing to noneother at gty.org. That's noneother at gty.org. The offer is good in North America and Europe through December 2019. And now, unleashing God's truth one verse at a time, here's Grace to You Bible teacher John MacArthur. As we think about the resurrection this morning, I I want to remind you of a portion of Scripture in the 10th chapter of Romans. Paul has laid out in the book of Romans the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is the way of salvation, the only way to be delivered from sin and death and judgment and hell. And Paul says this in the 10th chapter of Romans, the word of faith which we are preaching in verse 8. He was preaching a message about faith, about believing. And what was it that you needed to believe? Verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a very straightforward statement. The message of faith is this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved saved from sin, saved from judgment, saved from eternal punishment. So, essential to salvation is belief in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you believe that He rose from the dead, it's a very small step to confess Him as Lord. Because only the one who is life can conquer death. The Father has declared that Jesus is Lord, and every knee must bow to Him. Nothing is more important, then, than believing in the resurrection. It assumes the death of Christ, but it is essential to salvation to believe not only that He died and paid the penalty for our sins, but that He rose from the dead, which was the Father validating His sacrifice for our sins. And because the resurrection is so essential to salvation, it has always been under attack by the enemy of our souls. Throughout the life of the church, throughout history since the resurrection, it has been denied. Attacks on the resurrection go on all the time. They seem to get ramped up a little bit around this time of year as documentaries and Television programs call the resurrection into question or flatly deny it. There are many attempts at explaining away the resurrection. I'll give you just a few. These are popular ones that uh, 
people purport in books at a quote-unquote scholarly level. The first one is the swoon theory, and that basically says that Jesus did not die on the cross. Because He didn't die, He didn't rise. They thought He was dead, but He really wasn't dead. Shock sent Him into a, a coma, and everybody assumed He was dead, so they put Him in the tomb, but it was nice and cool in the tomb, and it smelled good because of the spices, the coolness of the tomb. Whatever reviving capacity the spices had brought him back to consciousness, and um, he walked out of the tomb, and the disciples assumed that he had risen, but he had never died. That theory doesn't work. All the early records are emphatic about his death. He was dead. Nails in his feet, nails in his hands, crown of thorns on his head, a spear in his side, the Roman soldiers were by trade executioners, and they said they did not need to break his legs, which would have sped up his death because he was already dead. They knew death. He was taken down. He was wrapped. He was placed in a tomb. Everyone gave testimony that he was dead. Everybody knew the proficiency of Roman executioners. Beyond that, it's impossible to believe that Jesus successfully survived severe beating, crucifixion, the agonies of blood loss, a spear thrust into his side, entombment with 75 pounds of spices wrapped around his body, and uh, by the third day, lying in the tomb with no food or water, woke up without any help, having lost most of his blood, moved the stone, walked out convinced people he was alive, by the way, overcame the Roman guards, and then walked seven miles to Emmaus on feet torn apart by nails. Ridiculous. Another theory has been offered. It's called the no-burial theory. He was dead, but they never put him in the tomb. The reason he wasn't there when they showed up was because he never was there. He was actually thrown in the pit with the criminals down by Gehenna, which was the Jerusalem city dump where they put executed criminals. He wasn't there on Sunday because he wasn't there on Friday or Saturday either. That theory doesn't work because why would the leaders seal the tomb? Don't you think they'd take a peek in and see if somebody was there? And why would they set a guard? And why would they invent the story that the body was stolen? If they threw it in the dump, they could go get it. Another theory is the hallucination theory. And that basically says that all of his appearances weren't real, they were hallucinations. Everybody wanted to see Jesus alive so badly, at least all of his disciples, that they sort of wished themselves into a hallucination that he was alive. This theory doesn't work. How do you build the church on a hallucination? How do you make it last? And how can 500 people in Galilee have exactly the same hallucination at exactly the same time? And furthermore, the disciples did not expect the resurrection. They were sad and full of doubt. They were in no condition pathologically to invent 
a kind of mental attitude that could launch itself into some kind of imaginary vision. Then there's the telepathy theory that says, no, Jesus didn't rise, but God sent back mental images, a sort of a hologram. So they would think He was alive. That doesn't work. That makes God a deceiver. And that founds Christianity on deception and makes liars out of the disciples who said they touched Him and they walked with Him and they ate with Him and they talked with Him and for 40 days. And by the way, if it was some kind of telepathy, it must have been a movie because it lasted seven miles to Emmaus. And the movie sat down and ate with them. And by the way, at first, when Jesus appeared to the disciples, they did not recognize Him. If God had sent some image of Him, you would think God could at least make it look like Him so they would have recognized Him. God doesn't do lying wonders. And then there's the seance theory that a medium, that's somebody who communicates with demons, conjured up the spirit of the dead Jesus by occult power. That's as absurd as the other ones because it doesn't explain how the tomb was empty. And it doesn't explain spending 40 days with Jesus and eating with Him and walking with Him and talking with Him and touching Him. And then there is the mistaken identity theory. This is interesting. Someone impersonated Jesus. They wanted that resurrection so badly that someone decided to play the role of Jesus, pounded some nails through His feet and hands. Pretty extreme for an impersonation. And how do you explain that this impersonator walked through the wall when the disciples were gathered that night after the resurrection? How do you explain that, that He disappeared and appeared here and there out of nowhere after His resurrection? And how do you explain that He ascended into heaven? An impersonator couldn't do that. And by the way, the disciples did know Jesus well enough not to be fooled. When they got close enough to touch Him, they surely would have known. In a bizarre effort, Renan, the celebrated French atheist, tried to destroy the resurrection because he said it is based on the one testimony of an eccentric, delirious, frightened woman named Mary Magdalene who had seven demons and was hysterical to the point of insanity. Well, apart from the fact that that's not true of Mary, even if you said that about Mary, how do you explain 500 other eyewitnesses? And how do you explain all ten separate appearances of Jesus? And why was the tomb empty? And where was the body? If Jesus didn't really rise, then why didn't the Romans present the body if they had thrown it into the dumper? Why didn't the Jews present it if they had done something with it? Well, G.D. Yarnold wrote a book called Risen Indeed, a whole book in which he says the body of Jesus evaporated into gases in three days. That's why they couldn't find the body. That's a stupid statement. How do you turn it into an entire book? <laughs> but there is one lie that um, could work. The one lie that could work is the theft theory. 
that the body of Jesus was stolen to falsify the resurrection. Now, who would do that? Well, the Jews wouldn't do it. They were, they were afraid that the disciples would do just that. Look at chapter 27 of Matthew. Chapter 27, verse 62. On the next day after Jesus was buried, chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate. All the leaders of Judaism, the Sanhedrin, come to Pilate. And they said to him, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver, meaning Jesus said, after three days I'm going to rise again. Therefore give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day, otherwise his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go make it as secure as you know how. They went and made the grave secure, and along with the guard they set a seal on the stone. So the Jews wouldn't have stolen the body because they wanted to make sure the disciples didn't do it. The Romans wouldn't have stolen the body. What, what would they gain by stealing the body? None of his enemies would have done that because they wouldn't have wanted to, to make an illusion that he actually had risen from the dead. That would not help their cause. So the only possibility is that the disciples stole the body. That's, that's all they had left. But the bigger question is, if they could, would they, and how would they? Well, we need to find out, because this is exactly the lie the Jews decided was the most convincing explanation to deny the resurrection. Let's look at verse 2, Matthew 28. Behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Now, one thing is very clear. This was supernatural. A severe earthquake, an angel of the Lord descended from heaven... His appearance is like blazing lightning. His clothing is shining, blazing white like snow. The angel came from heaven, hit the earth, and created an earthquake, rolled away the massive stone that was rolled across the entrance to the cave, sat on it. The guards saw this, shook for fear of him, and became like dead men, so afraid they literally went unconscious. That's what actually happened. That's the truth. The guards then, when they finally awoke, and surely took a look inside to see that he was not there, verse 11 says, the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. That sets up a big problem. A supernatural event occurred. An angel of the Lord appeared. An earthquake. The angel rolls the stone away. So terrifying is this heavenly being that the soldiers fall into a dead coma 
find the tomb empty and come to tell the chief priests exactly what happened. This poses the problem. The only reasonable explanation is there was an earthquake, there was an angel, he rolled the stone away. Jesus left the tomb. But they can't let that stand. So they have to fabricate a lie. So in verse 12 we read, And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by night, stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. This is the lie that proves the resurrection. The narrative presents a rich, convincing apologetic for the reality of the resurrection. Let's look at the plot, okay? The Jews had tried to get rid of Jesus since He first arrived. They tried, when He was just a young child, to get rid of Him by pulling off a mass murder of all the male children in the Bethlehem area. They pronounced curses on Him. They ascribed Him to Satan and demonic power in efforts to discredit Him. They um, paid off a betrayer to put Him in a position to be captured. They used injustice to sentence Him, false witnesses to tell lies about Him, blackmail against Pilate to get Him executed. They used force to keep his body in the tomb, and now they're going to use bribery to silence the eyewitnesses of this event, the soldiers. And all of these efforts are manifestly on the surface deceptive. So let's look at the plot. We pick it up in verse 11 as the guard comes into the city. Just backing up, the, the women who had met Jesus, verse 9, and was, he was there. They, they greeted one another. And then verse 9 says, they actually took hold of his feet. He was alive. He was physical. And they worshipped him. And then they were told in verse 10 to go tell the disciples. So they're on the way to the disciples. They're on their way. Verse 11 says, meanwhile... While they're trying to find the disciples, some of the guard come into the city and report to the chief priest all that had happened. That means that the first people to hear about the resurrection from the original eyewitnesses were in the Sanhedrin. They were the Jewish leaders. They heard it even before the disciples heard it. The women were still trying to find the disciples to tell them. Now, they went to the chief priest. You say, but wait a minute. These are Roman soldiers. Their commander is Pilate. Why don't they go to Pilate? Because Pilate had essentially, go back to chapter 27, verse 65, said, you have a guard, go make it as secure as you know how. So he, he delegated that Roman guard to the leaders of Judaism and said, you're in charge. They went, made the grave secure, along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. So really it was a delegated enterprise now in the hands of the Jewish leaders. So 
the guard knew that, and when they had that experience, they went not to Pilate, but to those Jewish leaders who were responsible for putting them there to tell them what happened. Verse 11 says basically they told him the truth. They reported exactly what happened. Earthquake, angel, stone rolled away, angel sitting on the stone, blazing light, coma. So the Sanhedrin now knows that that happened and the tomb is empty. It was the third day, crucial day, when Jesus said He would rise. So they are the first to hear the news, and they have to do something about it. It really can't be denied. Look, the resurrection of Lazarus couldn't be denied. Everybody in Jerusalem was talking about it. The, the miracles that were going on in the name of Jesus were impossible to deny. You read this in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. This is the Jewish council speaking, saying, Acts 4.16, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. And they're just talking about Peter and John healing a lame man. The whole place knows that happened. Everybody knows Lazarus was raised from the dead. What are we going to do when this miracle gets out? They have to come up with a plan. So it's a pretty simple plan. They're going to bribe the soldiers. Verse 12, they assembled with the elders, that's the Sanhedrin, the official Supreme Court of Israel, 70 men plus the high priest. They consulted together. And that word, by the way, has a formal idea of passing a resolution. They took a vote, they passed the resolution, and they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and told them to lie, and they would make sure that that didn't get them in trouble. So three parts, right? First, bribe the soldiers to lie. Large sum of money, arguria, is the word for money. It's silver money. They gave 30 pieces of silver for Judas to betray Jesus. That was the price of a slave. They're going to have to give a lot more money now. There may have been as many as a dozen or more of the guard. They've got to have a lot more money to pay these guys off, to bribe them. And then the second thing is for the bribe, they demand that they spread the lie, that they become evangelists for the lie. Verse 13, you are to say... His disciples came by night and stole Him away while we were asleep. The grave was empty. This is the only possible way they could explain that, is that the body was stolen. If they didn't say the body was stolen, then they would have had to find the body and declare that He was dead and it would have ended everything. They had no body and the tomb was empty. Only the theft accounts for the missing body. So the soldiers become the preachers of the anti-resurrection message. But the theory is as ridiculous as all the other theories, and we're going to be able to see that. So first of all, they bribed the soldiers. Then they told them to go spread the lie. And then thirdly, verse 14, if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. Look, they could be court-martialed, put in prison, or even executed for failing in their duty. So the leaders, the Jewish leaders say, don't worry about Pilate. We'll take care of Pilate. 
in such a way as to persuade him and keep you out of trouble. Now, how could they exercise such control over Pilate? Well, they owned Pilate. They owned him. They had owned him for years. Every wrong thing he had done while he was the governor of the land of Israel, they had reported to Rome, and time and time again his foolishness had cost him confidence on the part of Caesar. In fact, they finally got him to crucify Jesus, even though he said he's an innocent man, by saying, if you don't do it, we'll tell Caesar. They blackmailed him there, and they will do it again. They own him. So the soldiers, um, they're going to keep them out of trouble. Verse 15, they took the money and did as had been instructed. Literally did as they were taught, didasco. The plot is established. The lie is now in motion. That leads from the plot to the propagation in verse 15. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. They knew the truth. They paid men off to lie for money and protection. Soldiers had been there. They had experienced the supernatural reality. Certainly they had looked inside when they came to their senses. There was no body. A supernatural event and no body? They left it at that when they reported it. But they succumbed to the Jews' treachery. So that, verse 15, second half, this lagos, this word, this message, this story was widely spread or commonly reported among the Jews and is to this day. This is the common view up to 60 A.D. when Matthew writes the Gospel. Twenty-five plus years later, this is still the word on the street. The disciples stole his body. You're 30 years away, which means if that's still the story, that the disciples were the real liars, right? And they kept that lie up for 30 years. And they actually kept lying for another 30 years until the last one died in the 90s. The death of Christ is in the early 30s. Matthew's in around 60. John doesn't die till 90. And 60 years, they're still keeping up the lie that he arose. And they're doing such a great job with it, they're all dying as martyrs. Some of you will remember the Watergate lie and the comment about those 12 men who were involved in Watergate that they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. Are we to believe that these guys kept up a lie for 60 years and died as martyrs along the way for a lie? Justin Martyr, who lived in the second century, says in his conversation with the Jew, famous ancient document, you, the Jews, selected men and sent them into all the world proclaiming that a certain atheistic and lawless sect had arisen from one Jesus, a Galilean deceiver whom we crucified, 
But His disciples stole Him by night from the tomb and deceived men by saying that He has risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. The absurd and blasphemous medieval Jewish legend became called Toldoth Jeshu. It lasted even into the Middle Ages, this idea that the disciples had stole the body. Still around, 2,000 years later. Oh, by the way, this is the final Jewish insult on Messiah. This is the last one. This is the final exclamation point to their apostasy. He is rejected as one who died, did not rise, and his body was stolen. So the narrative about the lie is, is complete. But what's the point? Why am I taking you through this? Doesn't this seem like a kind of a negative way to end this glorious gospel of Christ written by Matthew? Wouldn't it have been better if you'd just given all the positive reasons for the resurrection? This seems negative, and I guess in a sense it is. But in actuality, evidence from enemies is much more powerful than evidence from friends. There was a lot of just plain physical evidence. Tomb was empty. Stone was rolled away. Grave clothes are lying there undisturbed, which meant He just came through them and out. And then there were those ten appearances that are recorded in the Gospels. First He did appear to Mary Magdalene, then to the women, and then to Peter, and then to the two on the road to Emmaus, and then to the eleven on Sunday evening, and then the eleven again the week later, then seven of them in Galilee, then five hundred in Galilee, then James, then eleven on the Mount of Olives as He ascended into heaven. And oh, by the way, between His resurrection and ascension, He spent forty days, according to Acts 1, with His disciples, speaking the things concerning the kingdom, and made Himself known to them, Acts 1-3 says, by many infallible proofs. So if you're looking for the positive evidence, it's there. And the positive evidence is the only explanation for the disciples' faith. They had full faith in the reality of the resurrection. They were so convinced there's never a single doubt. None of them is ever expressing a single doubt, never recorded anywhere in the New Testament. They were unanimous, collectively unanimous, about the resurrection. So were all other believers and bold enough to proclaim it, even in the face of the people who tried to lie about it. They even professed the resurrection to the very Sanhedrin that made up the lie. And by the way, they did not expect Jesus to rise, so there wasn't the right kind of pathology for them to invent that. Luke 24:11, the words of the women to them that Jesus was alive seemed like idle tales, they said. John 20 says, they knew not the Scripture that He must rise again from the dead. Thomas wouldn't even believe, though the others said He'd been there. The point is that all their prejudices were not in favor of inventing a resurrection. How is it that they went from doubting that to dying for it? How powerful was the reality of the resurrection 
to produce such a strong and unwavering faith. And then preaching it right at the people who lied. Preaching it right at the very authorities they once were hiding from. They boldly confronted the same leaders from whom they once ran in fear. And they did it so frequently that it was said they filled Jerusalem with this teaching. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people began to believe. Maybe by the time you're four or five chapters into Acts, there's as many as 20,000 people who believe in the resurrection of Christ. By what power were these confused and cowardly and simple poor preachers transformed to change the world? They were not eloquent. They were not educated. They were not brilliant. They were not orators. They were not masters of argument, purveyors of logic. The power was their faith. And their faith was in a reality, a fact, against what they even expected. They knew He was alive. And they were willing to die for that reality. And then, by the way, they had every opportunity to validate the resurrection by those many infallible truths over those 40 days, being with Jesus. They were absolutely convinced. Positive testimony works very well. But it's the testimony of the enemies who try to cover this up that validate it most dramatically. So follow the flow. It's impossible for the guards to deny that Jesus was not in the tomb and that it happened with some supernatural, miraculous event. If he was still there in the grave after whatever happened, happened, they wouldn't have come to the chief priest. It was impossible for them to deny a supernatural event left the grave empty. It was also impossible to give any other explanation than the one they gave. They told what they experienced, earthquake, angel, blazing light, coma, wake up, empty tomb. It's also impossible to believe the Jewish explanation that the disciples stole the body. How did they do that? They had fled when Jesus was arrested. They had denied Him. They were fearful. The boldest of them, Peter, who was their leader, denied Him at least six times in three separate locations. All of them were full of fear in the garden and fled. How did they all come together again and create some kind of guerrilla group that attacked the Roman guard? Well, you say, well, they didn't attack them. Maybe they bribed the Roman guard. With what? They had nothing. And then if they did overpower the Roman guard, which is ludicrous to think about, why did they remove the grave clothes and fold them neatly in place? Don't you think they would have been in a big hurry? And by the way, how did they remove the stone? 
And they didn't believe in a resurrection. And here's the worst part of their account. If the Roman soldiers were asleep, how do they know what happened? That's the stupidest of all. Verse 13, you're to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. <laughs> if it were the truth that the disciples had stole his body, they wouldn't bribe people. They would just say, tell them the truth. It's ludicrous to propose that all the guards were asleep. There were four watches in the night, and each guard would, or two or three at a time, would take a two to three hour shift. They were professional at this. They knew the penalty for falling asleep. You can't have both. We were asleep, and the disciples came and stole the body while we were asleep. Doesn't work on the face of it. It offends our reason and our logic. But that's the lie that was spread. And yes, Jesus did rise from the dead. And yes, an angel did come, shake the earth, roll the stone, terrify the Roman soldiers into a coma, and Jesus came out of the grave. It's the only explanation. Disciples who didn't even expect a resurrection don't all of a sudden believe in one they fabricated and then die as martyrs for that fabrication. And you don't get 2,000 years of the Christian confidence in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from a lie. He rose from the dead, and the cover-up makes it all the more obvious. And verse 16 says the eleven disciples, of course Judas not there anymore, proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some were doubtful. Even then, though they had seen Him the night of the resurrection and a week later, and now they see Him in Galilee, there are some of them who are trying to figure this out because it's so contrary to what they expected. Then He gives the Great Commission and says, Go into all the world and preach crucified and risen Christ to all the nations. That's your commission. Jesus did rise, and it matters. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Death cannot keep its prey, says the song. Jesus, my Savior, He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave, He arose with a mighty triumph o'er His foes. He arose a victor o'er the dark domain, and He lives forever with His saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. That's the fact. And that is to be believed for salvation. Join me in prayer. Our hearts are full this morning, Lord, with the realities of divine truth. The Word of God is so powerful, so clear, so penetrating. It makes the case in an inarguable way that our Lord Jesus rose. We thank You, Father, 
for validating His death on the cross as the satisfaction for the sins of His people by raising Him from the dead. We thank You, blessed Lord, for exhibiting the power of resurrection. We thank You, Holy Spirit, for the role that You played as well in that resurrection, the whole Trinity involved in raising Christ from the dead. And because He lives, we shall live also, we who are in Him. We died in Him, we rise in Him, we live in Him. We thank You for the reality of His resurrection. We believe it with all our hearts. And because He rose from the dead, because He conquered death and sin, we do confess Him as Lord. And that is salvation. Oh, Lord, I pray that You will touch hearts here this morning who have not confessed Jesus as Lord, nor believed that You raised Him from the dead, but that they will see, maybe for the first time, maybe more clearly than before, that salvation from sin and death and eternal hell comes only through confessing Jesus as Lord and believing in His resurrection. Grant faith and salvation in His name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to John MacArthur, Bible teacher with Grace to You. For free access to all of John's lessons and a listing of study Bibles and books available for sale, visit Grace to You's website at gty.org. And for details about the Masters University where John serves as president, go to masters.edu. John MacArthur and Grace to You reserve all copyright protection under applicable law. Our copyright policy is available at gty.org, and it includes instructions for and limitations on duplicating this digital file. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine.